Lord Jesus for your presence. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for shedding your blood for our salvation. Thank you, Lord, that your blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. We give you all glory. We give you all honor. And we give you all adoration. Thank you, Lord. Today, as we study your word, give us insight, give us revelation. Let our lives be transformed by your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Take your seat. You want to show your gratitude to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who died for you. Give him all the praise. Is that all you can do? That's how you show your appreciation. In Christianity, God sent his son to die for us. In other religions, they send their children to die for God. So we have a cause to praise him. We have a cause to celebrate him. And we have a cause to thank him. Amen. You will be blessed today. Amen. We want to welcome Professor Cedric Bell to our miss again, the president of Accra Business School. Welcome. Amen. His second home is now Ghana. Very soon we'll get him a Ghanaian citizenship. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so um, today, Wednesday and Sunday, I'm doing what I call the theology of Easter. The theology of Easter. So what does Easter mean? And the key, so I'm going to focus on the key things. For instance, I'm going to focus on the lamp of God today. Probably on Wednesday, I may speak on the cross of Christ. And then I, I know that next Sunday, I'm probably going to talk on the atonement. Wednesday, I may talk on Easter from the tabernacle of Moses or on or Easter or the cross of Christ. But today, let me talk to you on the lamp of God. We're going to try to answer the question, why does God need a lamp? And why a lamp? John chapter 1 verse 29 from the NIV. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the lamp of God who takes away the sin of the world. The lamp of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why does God need a lamp? To take away the sin of the world. What is the sin of the world? We'll try to answer that today. Genesis chapter 4, 1 to 5, from the NIV. Adam made love to his wife, and she became pregnant 
and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain wet the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the land, of the soil, as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very upset and his face was downcast. So Cain and Abel, the first two sons of Adam and Eve. I am not going to assume that we all know the story of Adam and Eve. So let me go over the story of Adam and Eve. So the book of Genesis, um, the first few chapters, is the record of the first man God created, Adam. And out of Adam, God made him a wife whom God named Eve. God put them in a garden known as the Garden of Eden. And God gave them specific instructions. There were several trees in the garden and they had access to all the trees except the tree of knowledge, good and evil. God said, you can't touch this tree. Don't eat from that tree. Satan came in the form of a serpent, deceived the woman, said to the woman, if you eat of this tree, you will become wise and you become like God. So the woman ate the fruit of that tree and gave some to her husband and they ate. So they sinned against God. Before they committing this sin, God came to the Garden of Eden every morning in the quietness of the day to have fellowship with them, to commune with them. Okay? Once they committed this sin, that fellowship was discontinued and they were driven out of the Garden of Eden. Now their sons now want to reconnect to God but they came to God with an offering. Whilst their parents, Adam and Eve, were having face-to-face -face meeting with God. So why didn't Cain and Abel also have face-to-face -face meeting with God? Because at, up to this point, their parents have sinned. And as a result of that sin, they were also born sinners. Now I'll, I'll explain very soon. Now God is a holy God. So a sinner cannot directly approach God. There used to be a sister in church and I used to tell mommy this sister is sinning. And mommy would say why? She said, and she was quite close to us. Very very close to us. And she was very 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 spiritual. But I kept telling mommy, this sister is sin. So mommy asked me, why? I said, can't you see that she's not able to look directly into my face? She can't. Anytime I was talking to that sister, she'd be going away. Mommy said, oh, no, she's shy. 
I said, no, no, that, that's, this is not shyness. This is running away from sin. You know, when, when you are committing sin and your conscience is alive and you don't have a seared conscience, when you meet your pastor, sometimes you don't even want to come to church. It's only people with seared conscience who will sin and go to prayer warriors meeting. Who will sin and come to choir rehearsals and mount the stage and sing. You have a seared conscience. But people whose conscience are alive, when they sin, they are afraid to come before the presence of God. They are afraid to come before the presence of God. So it's the same thing when Adam and Eve sinned against God. Now they couldn't go directly to the presence of God. Now they have to use offerings. So that's why we see here, Abel and Cain, they came before the Lord with offerings. With offerings. They offered these things too. Now, these things continue. You remember, after the flood, when Noah came out, the first thing he did was to offer offerings. But in the Garden of Eden, there were no offerings. God was having direct relationship with the holy man. He's a holy God. He cannot stand sin. From the day man sinned against God, man now had to approach God through an intermediary. So the, Abraham goes to a place, he builds an altar and will sacrifice to God. Are you here with me? Do you understand? Is the reason why in Africa a lot of idol worship, worshiping was introduced. Okay? Because we were conscious of the existence of a supreme being. But we were guilty to approach that supreme being directly. So we created all forms of intermediaries. So anytime we wanted to communicate with God, we had to either do it through, do it through a tree. Tree, please talk to God for us. A stone, please talk to God for us. Okay? Well, we did that. So the people of the Bible picked from the examples of Cain and Abel and started relating to God through offerings. Anytime they wanted to say something to God, they did it through offerings. But in most cases, most of the offerings they offered were to address the sin problem. Okay? Almost all the offerings they came before God with had to do with God dealing with their sins. Asking God for forgiveness. So five offerings in the book of Leviticus were more or less became official offerings. So Leviticus chapter 1, there is what we call the burnt offering. This is why everything you bring for God, you burn all before God. And was to ask God for forgiveness of sin. And to show that you are, you are dead in sin and you are devoted to the Lord. So like, like this morning, eh? coming to church this morning, some people will bring sheep, some will bring goats. If, you are, if your sin is a very stubborn sin. Some people will bring pigeons. Some people will bring... Well, we'll come with all manner of things. I guess in the Old Testament, pastoring was very easy. You didn't need to ask anybody to bring offering. You knew that you could not go before the Lord without an offering. 
So they carried their offerings and took it before the Lord. Like by now, we have a, a slaughterhouse somewhere. You bring it, we kill it. The only offering that the priest don't get anything from was the burnt offering. And then there were grain offerings where people just went to show the Lord how devoted they are to God by making sure that when, when you harvest from your farm, you took an offering to the Lord. And it came with different, different things. My intention is not to teach on the five offerings of the Old Testament. That's not my intention at all. But to show you something. And then there was a peace offering. Sometimes when you have a problem with someone, you go before the Lord with an offering. And then you cook before the Lord and you eat with the person. Sometimes if you feel between you and God, you need peace. You go with a peace offering. And then there was what we call the sin offering. You remember Job. The story of Job, where Job did regular sacrifices and offerings because he didn't know whether any of his children might have committed a sin. So he would do an offering. So people also took sin offering, not because they just committed a sin, but they also took sin offering just to pass, purify themselves in, in case they have committed sin. So they went to purify themselves. And then there was the guilt, guilt offering. There were some kind of sins that when you commit, you have to pay money for it. Like in the old time, you go and take somebody's wife. You have to pacify the person. More or less like a sin of pacification. So people will go before the Lord and stand before the priest. And they will be charged a certain amount of money or certain uh, two bears of yams in the African contest. And then they will pay. Now, but all these offerings were very temporary were very temporary. You have to keep, keep on offering. You have to keep giving the offering. Every time you are going before the Lord, you have to keep giving an offering because these offerings did not take away your sin. It only covered your sin. So anytime you sin, you have to take an offering. God looking at all these things. But God was also willing to have fellowship with man. So God looking at all these things, God put all these offerings together into one lamb. His name is Jesus. Oh, you should be clapping better. Are you here? God put all these offerings into one person, the lamb of God. You know the reason why you are not carrying goat or sheep or some of you would have brought elephant. Yeah. Do you know why you are not carrying all these things? Because God put all these offerings into one man. Jesus and put him on the cross but I started this sermon with a conclusion from the beginning so you know, let me now start the sermon so I've laid the foundation and I want to establish why it is important the sin problem the, the seriousness of sin and why God had to intervene by giving us his son to become a sacrifice for all of us am I preaching to someone here Come a sacrifice to all of us. So how you became a sinner who needs a sacrifice to approach God? How did you become a sinner who needed a sacrifice to approach God? Here is it. Next slide, please. So Adam sinned. Romans 5 verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, to everyone, 
for everyone sinned. So how did one man sin? And as a result of that one man's sin, all of us became sinners. How? Because sin is a seed that is planted in you. We call it the original sin. When Adam sinned, sin became a seed in Adam. So anyone that is born of man, that is a seed of man, when you are born, you come with a seed of sin in you. You are not a sinner because you sinned. You are sinning because you are a sinner. It is not sin that made you a sinner. Are you here? It is the seed of sin in you that made you sin. So you are sinning because you were a sinner. You were born one. The seed was in the inside of you when you were born. Are you here with me? Do you understand what I'm teaching you? So Adam sinned. Now that's why Jesus became the seed of the woman. Jesus had to be born by a virgin so that he would be born sinless. If Jesus were born by the seed of the man, he would have been a sinner. But we needed a man who has never sinned to die for our sins. Are you here? That was why a virgin had to give birth to Jesus. And I'm teaching you the basics and the fundamentals of the Christian faith. If you don't understand this, you are not yet a Christian. These are the fundamentals of the Christian faith. But now, because we are all looking for miracles, when we come to jail, we don't teach these things. We teach the 21 ways to create wealth. Those are the sermons we like to clap to. That's why nobody's clapping. If you love this sermon, give us some clap. Let me see. Well, well, I'm not, I'm not even preaching what you love. I'm preaching what Jesus wants me to preach. Okay? So, 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 you have to understand these things, these basic things. Okay? Jesus was not born by the seed of a man. So he was born sinless. But anybody born by the seed of the man was born a sinner. You don't have to teach anybody how to sin. Sin just comes naturally. You come naturally. Just like your socialization would increase your sin or decrease your sin. But whether the sin is increased or decreased, they are all sin before the Lord. In heaven, in heaven, we will all live in very good places. In hell, everybody who enters hell, there are no different houses in hell. Hell is hell. You cannot say, oh, I only committed, I, I was only a gossiper. This guy was a murderer. Why are the two of us in the same place? Because before God, every sin is sin. So Adam sins, and then the sin is passed on to us. The sin of Adam is disobedience. I've already explained that to you. So um, I'm not going to go through that. And then the sin now comes to you. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. So we have all sinned, and now the wages of sin is death. In other words, the salary, 
You see, when you are sinning, it's like you are going to work. You are working for Satan. At the end of the day, you are paid. So when you are paid, it's called a wage. So the salary of sin is death. But what kind of death are we talking about? Let me show you something. The three death penalties imposed by sin. Now, the first one is what we call spiritual death. The spiritual death. Isaiah 59 verse 2. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, you are turned away and will not listen anymore. So sin cuts you away from God. When you are cut away from God, you are spiritually dead. Yeah, spiritually dead. When you are cut away from God. Because God communicates with your spirit. If he cannot communicate with your spirit, then you are dead. Now, Brother Joshua, come. come. So this is Brother Joshua. I'm pinching you. Are you feeling it? You are feeling it. It's painful. Tell them it's painful. It's painful, sir. Do you know why you are feeling it? It's because you are alive. If you were a dead body, you wouldn't have felt this. You wouldn't have felt it. So this is called stimulus. And every living thing responds to a stimulus, isn't it? Okay. But if you go to the mortuary and you pinch dead people, would they feel it? They will not feel it. Okay. Now, so you die when you cannot respond to stimulus. Now, the stimulus of your spirit is the spirit of God. When your spirit dies, your spirit cannot communicate with the spirit of God. So sin separates you. It's called the spiritual death. And it's a very serious and grievous death. Thank you. Now, if you die spiritually, we should be crying more than when you die physically. I'm telling you. Spiritual death is more serious. More serious than physical death. Because to be disconnected from God, it's a very serious thing. It's a reason why people are into pornography, prostitution, and that. I've taught you here before that when you build a house, the best place of the house is probably the master bedroom where you intend to stay, where you intend to live. You build it big. You put all the best things there. It has the best bed, has the best air condition, has the best of everything there. Okay. Most of the times when I'm home, when I'm home and I'm not traveled, my house is very alive. Very, very alive. People sleep at 10.30 p.m., 11 p.m. because I'm home. When I leave home, by 7 p.m., people are sleeping in the house because I'm not there. I am the father of the house. I am the builder of the house. I bring a certain amount of security and joy to the people who live in my house. When I'm not there, there's a sense of insecurity. My absence is really felt when I'm not there. Okay? In the same way, now God built your life and created a master bedroom for himself and that is your heart. When God is taught in your heart, you feel him. There's a sense of emptiness. There's a sense of emptiness in your heart when God is not there. And you try to fill this emptiness with all manner of things, with movies, with girls, with whatever you want you want to fill it with it. You see, the solution to your problem is not money. The solution to your problem is you reconnecting to God. Are you here? Some of you feel so lonely 
and you think that because you don't have friends. No, 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 no. There's a certain level of loneliness that is a reflection of the absence of God in your life. When God is too far away from you, there's an emptiness that you feel. There's this emptiness that you feel. It's called spiritual death. And then number two is the physical death. We came from dust. We will go back to dust according to Genesis 319. The original intention of God was not for a man to die. He would have lived forever. But because man sinned, now man has to die. And then there's what we call eternal death. Eternal death. That is going to hell. And staying in hell forever. Forever. No end to it. When you are taken to hell, you are in hell forever. You are suffering. According to Mark 3.29. For those of you who grew up in the village, did you ever step in on, on charcoal that has fire in it? It was very painful, eh? Very, very painful. Seriously painful. Have you ever seen... Now, did you have, I think years ago we had some explosion in Ghana around Circle where people were burnt into ashes and died. Fire is a very dangerous thing. But you see, hellfire is more dangerous. And when you enter into hellfire, you will stay in it for the rest of your life. It's not like the fire, it's not like some fire service people will come and quench it for you. No, no fire service. Forever you are there. So when Jesus said, I am the way, he was offering you a way out of hell. Okay? He was offering you a way out of hell. I appeal to you today. Today is, is Palm Sunday. Today we, are, we have entered into the Easter season. And I'm appealing to you, if Jesus is not in your heart, if he is not your Lord and Savior, if you are not walking in purity and in holiness, reconnect to God. Go back to him. Reconnect to him. Go back to him and serve him. I want to show you how we look pictorially, the sin problem. So immediately you sin, there is a gap between you and God. You are far away from God. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. So you are disconnected. Saw a video of a man and his son. They went to a, a place somewhere in, in the far east. And then there was this flood. So the man lost the son. And where the man was standing was solid. And this boy just got into the, this thing. And the boy was stretching the hand to the father. And the father was stretching his hand to catch the boy. But there was flood between the two of them. The man couldn't catch the boy. The boy was taken away and died. That's, that's how sin is. God is stretching and says, come to me. But the sin, your sin has cut you off from God. Every sin you commit cuts you from God. Every sin you commit cuts you from God. Gossip, fornication, quarreling. Whatever sin you commit will separate you and cut you away from God. The original sin, if you're not born again, cuts you away from God permanently until you accept Jesus. But 
The sin that you commit as a believer also temporarily casts you away from God until you confess your sins. And any time you are cut away from God, it's a dangerous place to be. Look at where this guy is. If Satan appears and evil is pursuing him, he can't run to God. May God forgive all our sins and reconnect us to him. Now look at, look at the next picture. This is temporal solution where you now give offerings, the Old Testament offerings. The Old Testament offerings, he gives a very temporal solution. But when Christ died, he gave us permanent solution. Look at this. Give us permanent solution. And now we can just walk and go to God. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the message of the gospel. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is this death on the cross that has now created a bridge to you that you can go to God. Now, all of us can come before God. All of us can come before him because of the death of Christ on the cross. Now, here's the thing. If someone dies for you, it should be very easy for you to live for the person. So the whole story of Christianity is this. Someone dies in your stead and now demands that you live for him. Demands that you live for him. There was a man who never got married and raised the family of his friend. And the reason was simple. They went for an armed robbery this thing. And while the police was pursuing them, police caught up with them. When they were about to shoot, his other friend just came in and got the bullet on his body for this other friend. When he was dying, he looked at his friend and said, take care of my family. And the guy felt that you took the bullet for me and all you wanted me to do was to take care of your family for you. So this guy decided, the guy had three children, said until they all go to university and find jobs, he's not going to marry. So his friend died for him and he lived for his friend. That is the whole story of Christianity. The friend paid a bigger price for him to pay a lesser price. You are supposed to become a living sacrifice. That every day of your life as a Christian, you are a sacrifice for him. You are a sacrifice for him. And a sacrifice is a price you must pay. You cannot be a Christian without paying the price. The price will mean you have to leave your boyfriend, you have to leave your girlfriend, you have to leave a certain group of friends. You have to stop sinning. You have to dedicate your life to Jesus. You have to commit yourself to him. You have to serve him in a church. You have to evangelize the lost for him. You need to tell your friends about Jesus. You need to tell your family about Jesus. You need to tell your colleagues about Jesus. You need to tell the whole world about Jesus. You need to share your testimony of the impact of Jesus on your life. 
Are you here with me? That is a living sacrifice. It's a lesser price for you to pay. It's a lesser price for you to pay for the price that he paid. Even between you and other Christians. How many of you are aware? Okay, let me tell a story of a friend of mine who had made a statement to me. He's an American and made a statement. I felt it was quite racist. So I said, no, no, no. Don't say that again. You are being racist. And then in an attempt to convince me that he was not a racist, he came to my room and said, Gideon, you know something? My father was a pilot. And he took one year off his very lucrative work to fly missionaries to Africa. So they were called the Mission Aviation Fellowship. The Mission Aviation Fellowship was set up by a group of Christian pilots. And their mission was to go into, come to Africa, into thick forests where people cannot drive to. And then they would create a landing strip and they will fly missionaries into those places he said my father flew missionaries to this place in africa for a year and he said the missionaries their duty was to translate the bible into the local languages of the people it was in the midst of that forest that i was born so I was born in Africa, so there's no way I would look down upon any African. But for me, the story, the key thing was this. A man takes one year of his, his lucrative business and decides to go and live in a forest in the midst of Africa. That is a story of a living sacrifice. If I'm going to a tour right now, so I'm going to stay in the north for one month, I need people to go with me. The first thing you will ask yourself is that, do we have water to drink? <laughs> Can we get good water to drink? Where are we going to stay? You see, you are not a living sacrifice enough if you begin to look for comfort in your Christian life. The Christian life is not a life of comfort. It's a very inconvenient life. It will inconvenience you. Are you here with me? This is not a life of luxury is a life of sacrifice it's a life of sacrifice christianity is not somebody it was not founded by a man looking for some truth and then looking for the meaning of life and they came out with philosophy and then people started believing no 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 christianity is a religion where the founder of the religion died for you. Died for you. It's a sacrificial faith. Those who came this week, I also told you a story of a young American um, university student who came to study missions for one year. His name is Joshua. Joshua said to me, so, so we, we're having a... a um, a session on missions so a group of missionaries from eastern europe came their mission organization was called star of the east so they came to do a present and to recruit young missionaries to go to 
this thing. Joshua had come to Bible school because Joshua was leveled one year to complete the university and start a very good career. And Joshua's, Joshua felt like, I've studied secularly all, the, all my life. Before I enter into the job market, I want to take one year of university to go and study the Bible and go back to university. So Joshua comes to university, comes to the Bible school for one year, and within that period, Star of the East comes to do a presentation. Now the Lord began to deal with Joshua. Now Joshua wanted to leave his university education and go to Eastern Europe to do missions. So he comes to me and said, Gideon, this is my decision. What do you say? I was so challenged. Joshua, you are leaving everything. You are leaving your degree. You are leaving everything. Say, yeah, that's what God is telling me. And it wasn't anything was going to be paid. He has to raise his own money to go there. And Joshua was there. If you cannot leave that kiosk to go out there for missions, you are not a living sacrifice enough. You are not a living sacrifice enough. Look at how you struggle to come to church. Look at how you struggle to pay tight. Look at how you struggle to pray. Look at how you struggle to praise. Look at how you sleep when we are preaching. You are not a living sacrifice enough. You are not a living sacrifice enough. Look at the service you are rendering in church and how you complain. How you complain. You are always complaining. I did this and nobody recognized me. I did that and nobody. You are not a living sacrifice enough. Your close friends are all unbelievers. As you are sitting in church now, they are home. Yesterday you spoke with some of them. You couldn't say, Charlie, I'm going to church tomorrow. Can we go? You know, you say, oh, half of my friends, they have my friends, they, they won't come to church. Oh. They won't come to church. You are not a living sacrifice enough. That is, as you know, the way we are suffering. That you know the way we are suffering. Eh? This generation, this generation is different from their generational. If you don't have money, nobody will respect you. That's why we have boyfriends. You are not a living sacrifice enough. I don't have money. That's why I did not come to church. You are not a living sacrifice enough. Go and measure the distance from where Jesus carried the cross to Golgotha and see how long he walked for you to be crucified for you. He was not given a car to carry the cross. He had to carry the cross on his little shoulders and walk that long distance like a common criminal to die for you. And you cannot walk to church. You are not a living sacrifice enough. You don't have time to join a department in the church. You are not a living sacrifice enough. Christianity is the story of how God became a clot of blood born by a virgin for only one purpose to die for you so that you can live for him you are not living enough for him you are not living enough for him all those excuses drop them you are not living enough for him jesus did not die as god he died as man he went through all the pain every man would have gone through imagine when a pain hurts you but his was not a pain it was a nail 
old ragged veil held by a wicked Roman soldier put his hand down and they did not put it through his palms but through a vein here. It was so painful. It was such a pain. So painful the man suffered. And when they lifted him, he, he, he was not supported by any weight. Do you know what carried him? His weight. I mean, the pain. You cannot imagine that pain. For one purpose, to die for you. To die for you. For one purpose, to die for you. One purpose, to die for you. To die for you. Why can't you live for him? Why can't you just live for him? Why can't you let go everything and say, Lord, today I surrender to you. I give my life to you. I dedicate my life to you. I live that sin. I live that life of that sinful life. I leave it behind me. And today I want to be a living sacrifice for you. You have to make that covenant with God today that you want to be a living sacrifice. Show it. Join the department. Work for him. Work for him. Evangelize for him. Talk about him. Use your Facebook wall to show everybody that you were Christian and you were standing for Jesus. Tell them how much Jesus loves them. Use it. Use your social media followers and use it to preach the gospel. Preach it. Do short videos using your phone. Sort of taking selfies and showing your clothes. Use it. Use that small phone. Take a video of yourself sharing a testimony, one minute testimony. Put it out there. If you are afraid and ashamed to let the world know that you are in love with the man that died for you, then I don't know who you are. You are not yet a Christian. And if you don't have a testimony to share, then you did not get born again. Because there must be impact in you, on your life. Tell somebody about this man who loved you and died for you. Look at how you are telling people about your boyfriend who is even cheating on you and beating you. And yet the whole world knows that you have a boyfriend. Look at how you are telling the whole world about your girlfriend who doesn't even respect you nor value you. You might not, she might not even end up marrying you. We are telling the whole world about this girlfriend. The whole world about this girlfriend. It is this girlfriend and boyfriend who is on your DP. Not a scripture, nothing. The one who died for you, who died for you forever, who died for you. You can't put that person on your DP. You cannot pick the words of that person. I am the light of the world. You can't put it there. I am the resurrection and the death. You can't put it there. I am the way. You can't put it there. I am the bread of life. You can't put it there. If you can't put the sayings of Jesus on your DP, on your Facebook, you are not a living sacrifice enough. You are not a living sacrifice enough. I went to the slave castle in Cape Coast. I went to the grave area. I will show you missionaries that came and died and kept coming. Missionaries left their comfort zone in, from the West and came here to Africa when we had no light, when we had no houses, when we had no streets, when we, were, when we had nothing. They came with one thing to tell us about Jesus. 
Some died as a result of malaria. Yet women sent their husbands. Go. Go and serve the Lord. Go and serve the Lord. There are girls here who will not even let their husbands, wives here who will not even let their husbands pay tight. They will not let them become pastors. They will not let them serve the Lord. They will not let them become anything spiritual. I challenge all of us today. Let's become a living sacrifice. Let's become a living sacrifice. God bless you and thank you for joining me. Lord, prepare me to be sanctuary, pure and holy. Tried and Lift up your two hands. separating you from God and you want to connect with him. Lift up your hands. I want to pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. Wherever you are, just lift up your hands. I want to pray for you. You want to connect to God. You want to connect to God. Lift up your hands very high. Don't be ashamed of anybody. You want to connect to God. Pray this prayer with me. As your hands are lifted. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you this day. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me my sins. I appeal to the cross at Calvary. And I ask you to forgive me my sins. Today, I open my heart to you. And I invite you into my heart. From today, be my Lord and my Savior. Help me, Lord, to live for you. From this day forward, I want to live for you. 
I want to serve you. I want to dedicate my life to you. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. In your name I prayed. Amen.